This is the Horse Radio Network. We're kicking off 2018 with controversy from Rolker to toilets in Tokyo. In our first episode of the new year, we celebrate the arrival of pain baby Hudson, revisit our worst horse show nightmares, and discuss when is it too cold to ride your horse. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Magazine, a podcast where three horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy Hour! I'm Justine Griffin. And I'm Caroline Culbertson, and welcome to episode 14, our first episode of 2018. And today with us, we have a very special guest because as many of you know who've been following the podcast, our normal co-host, Jess Payne, is out because she just had a baby out of her belly. And baby Hudson is absolutely precious, and so we're wishing her the absolute best, and we miss her. But we have the special privilege of having Erin Crawford, who has been on the podcast with us before, and we loved her so much, and she's such a total badass that when we knew that we had to fill a space, we knew exactly who to go to. If you're not familiar with Erin, she is a Grand Prix dressage rider and clinician who began her career as a working student for Lars Peterson, then worked for Olympic gold medalist Ingrid Klimka, super casual. Now she runs her own business, All Points Dressage, in Maryland and Florida, and is just the best dressage person in the entire world and is totally not a dressage queen. So thanks so much for joining us, Erin. Glad to be here. Thank you. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure at all. No pressure at all. I like to say that you're kind of like you're the I don't mean to in a bad way to say that you're the anti-dressage queen, because obviously you are a queen at at dressage and you're extremely skilled (laughs) in your craft. But you're just so down to earth and normal and a total badass. And you'll come, you know, drink with us and come on a podcast and be wild with us. So (laughs) So I I mean it in the dearest way. Yeah. <laughs> we just put a bad rap because we like sparkly things. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, speaking of drinking, uh, we have a very special drink for this episode in honor of Jess and her new baby Hudson. Um, so this is a Hudson Bay Martini, which uh, obviously is an honor for a baby that can't drink, but we'll drink for him. So it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's so messed up that we're dedicating a cocktail to like a two-week-old. <laughs> Oh my god, but I hope Jess is counting down like the moments till she can drink. I don't know if she's breastfeeding or what, but you know. But anyways, so Hudson Bay, I'll just quickly run through like what this drink is because I'd never heard of it when I was Googling drink names with Hudson in it. And uh it's one part cherry brandy, one dash of lime juice, a dash of orange juice, a dash of overproof rum, and two parts gin. And then you put it in a shaker and you mix it and it looks like a fancy martini. That sounds delicious. What is overproof rum? It sounds like uh, rum that will get you really drunk, right? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a fun night in Florida to me. Um, <laughs> I don't think it sounds suitable for a two-week-old baby, though. No, nope, why not? Gosh, we, we, yeah, we really laid it on heavy for, like, a newborn. I hope Jess isn't offended. She's going to listen to this podcast and be like, Jesus Christ, you people are nuts. Welcome but, to the world, Hudson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world of horse people. So, yeah, that's the Hudson Bay Martini. That's pretty, that's pretty great. 
Love that. And congrats again to Jess and Doug for having their first precious little baby. He's awesome. This episode is presented by EcoGold. EcoGold is proud to put your horse first with technology that helps keep your horse comfortable in his work. Add a flip half pad to your EcoGold collection for the best of both worlds, both traditional and fun. Shop now at ecogold.ca. Okay, so we're only like, what, less than two weeks into 2018, but I feel like there were so many different news headlines to choose from already uh, that were just like amazing and ridiculous. But Caroline, why don't you kick us off with your news (laughs) for the week? So we're again talking about drugs because we always talk about drugs on Heels Down Happy Hour. Even though this is not a podcast about drugs, I feel like we're always talking about banned substances. So the World Anti-Doping Agency, uh, I think it's funny because their uh, slogan is play true. Um, So it's WADA. They have released their 2018 list of prohibited substances. Interestingly enough... Guess what substance is not on the 2018 prohibited substance list? Alcohol. Uh Um, And also, uh, Justine, you're going to know more about this because you did a hemp article for us. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Cannabidiol? Cannabidiol? A cannabis compound that has significant medical benefits? Cannabidiol? Does Uh that sound right? Yeah, we're gonna I mean, pretend that's, that that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's, we're gonna um, pretend we know. They yeah. call it CBD usually, okay. so like to shorten it, and it's a uh, it's a non psychoactive ingredient of um of marijuana. So like they make it in capsule form, in oil form, like uh, tincture oils that you can like drop on your tongue, that kind of thing. Uh, for and so it makes you not feel high, but it you it's supposed to still have like healing effects. Oh, okay, interesting. So it's it's for like the medicinal purposes of marijuana, it's not like to get you high. It's like not the THC part of anything. So right. um, those are two substances that are not on the banned substance list for um, the World Anti-Doping Agency. Um, so I'm just going to read a, a little excerpt here um, as an explanation from WADA. So it says, after careful consideration and extensive consultation, alcohol was excluded from the prohibited list. The intent of this change is not to compromise the integrity or safety of any sport where alcohol use is a concern, but rather to endorse a different means of enforcing bans on alcohol use in these sports. The four international federations affected by this change have been alerted sufficiently in advance in order to amend their rules and put in place protocols to test for alcohol use and appropriately sanction athletes who do not abide by the rules of their sport. And it goes on a little bit, blah, blah, blah. Basically, the what that means is that it is up to the sports to determine whether or not uh, alcohol is acceptable at any level um, and... It's up to them to enforce, you know, penalties, uh, any sort of crackdowns on that substance being found in its athletes. Um, so, so I thought so, that was an interesting thing. So you can have like six Bloody Marys and then go like ride your dressage test and they're going to be like, that's totally fine. That's all on you. Well, <laughs> it's up to the it's up to the federations. So I guess it's up to the national federations or up to the FBI. Um, but as far as the World Anti-Doping Agency... Um, they're leaving it up to sport to sport. I think that they probably did this for eventers so that eventers can have a shot at tequila before they go cross country. 
I think that's why I think enough people petitioned to say that they rode better after a few mimosas. <laughs> and I'm so the honestly world... just shocked that there was any equestrian team ever with an alcohol prohibition in effect. Like I didn't, I didn't know that was being tested. I mean, for Christ's sake, we have a podcast that's an equestrian theme <laughs> podcast under the sports <laughs> segment of iTunes called Happy Hour. So obviously, there is some hand in hand, uh, what you know, with alcohol and sports. So anyway, but that is my news item for um, kicking us off for 2018. Um, that has gone into effect. That took effect January 1st. Um, the that change was approved three months three months ago, but it just took effect January 1st, 2018. Um, so let's see what else. Uh, Justine, you have um, some some potty news for us. I do. I have a lot of potty news. Um, so so I was uh, particularly drawn to this news item because I've ex- experienced it firsthand. Um, and I'm just glad I get to share it with the world because it's just, all right, let me just tell you and then we'll get into it, my feelings. But so, uh, as we all know, Tokyo is hosting the Olympics in 2020, but I guess uh, their tourism chiefs want to update all of their public toilets because, uh, I don't know if you've been to an Asian country, but most Asian countries, they it is uh, customary to use a toilet that is quite literally a hole in the floor and you squat over it to pee or poop into it. And they don't normally use toilet paper either. You use like a, it's almost like a bidet experience where they have a hose and you kind of like hose yourself off and move on. But so Japan is trying to convert a lot of these squatting toilets into Western models before the Olympics because uh, Westerners are very confused uh, when they have to first squat (laughs) to one of these toilets. And I remember, so I went to India and China on my honeymoon uh, last year and I'm like completely jet lagged getting off the plane in Delhi and I have to go to the bathroom and I walk into the bathroom and it is literally a hole in the floor with like porcelain around around the hole. Like they try to like, you know, class up the hole. <laughs> like it looks nice. It's a clean hole in the floor. But I, that was the first picture I took in India was a picture of the toilet. <laughs> is there any risk of falling in? I mean, oh, if, you're, if you're drunk, I guess. I, yes, I guess. But so, it's mostly... It, so yes. it takes, for us, yeah. there is a risk. <laughs> it's not that big, though. It's not like that big of a hole. But um, it takes some, uh, you know, like strategy to figure out where where you need to hover to not, like, make a mess on your legs. How well, am yeah, I going that's... to do this when I'm wearing my Lululemons? That's my question. Like, Yeah, exactly. It's kind of hard. And it so it's kind of messy. But, you know, you know, how... <laughs> My uncle, this is unre- sort of unrelated, but he just bought a squatty potty. You know, those things where you put like yes. it's a stool for your feet. And so you yes. actually squat more when you sit in a Western toilet. So this essentially, the the hole in the floor is like a more natural way to do your business than the way we do it, like sitting down. So, you know, maybe they, they got part of it right. I, I don't know. But no matter what, uh, Japan is starting to change out all of these toilets so that us Westerners can be comfortable as we sit and do our business the way we're accustomed to doing it. This is such important news. I am so glad we're talking about this. You know, not enough people talk about toilets. That's my student. Love it. My gosh. So Erin, do you have some news for us? Yes. It's not quite as, um, it's 
well, it doesn't have to do with toilets. Um, so the Wellington Eventing Showcase is not going to run this year in 2018, which um, it's run for three years, and this is they're, they've taken it off the schedule, which for me I think is a huge disappointment because it's always a really nice break in the middle of the show season, and it's held at the dressage grounds. And, you know, for us to see horses going really fast with their heads above the bit and jumping things that we all find terrifying, <laughs> uh, you know, the dressage community, I think, has really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it gets other people out to the dressage grounds and it's just it's such a fun event. So it's quite disappointing that um, they've canceled it for this year, but they are hoping to come back 2019, it says. I think the biggest loss probably is, um, you know, aside from everybody that really loved the show, of course, um, it is it is really disappointing that this isn't coming back. But I'm sure Boyd Martin is really, really upset because he has won every single year that it's ever been held. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So this is a real a real kick to old Boyd. He can't win again. Make it four. Yeah. That's a a big paycheck to win that event. Yep. So <laughs> I went to it the first year it kicked off, I remember, and I was just exciting because I'd never seen a, you know, an upper level event. And it was really fun and super laid back and the and the showgrounds are beautiful, which I'd been to to see dressage shows before, but it was sort of known as, you know, they one of the last jumps on the cross country course, the they had a ride through like the VIP tent where people were like sitting at their fancy tables drinking and stuff and yeah. literally the horse would ride through it and jump down a bank into the uh, show jumping arena. But it was very yeah. approachable. It was easy to like walk up to someone like Boyd on the cross country field. And uh, if you're not familiar with eventing, it was such a great first like approachable event to understand how the sport works and how much fun it is and how laid back and fun the whole eventing community was. So it's really a bummer. Yeah, especially because, you know, most of the eventers go to Ocala. So it was really interesting to see the eventers kind of migrate down to Wellington, you know, and and have some presence there amongst the show jumpers and the and the dressage people. So it's it's kind of a bummer. You know, I'm sure they'll still they'll still probably have training sessions and everything in Wellington. Um, But, you know, historically, Ocala has been a little bit more where the eventers sort of flock to between there and Aiken, but um, it'll, it's sad. I mean, I do hope it comes back because I think it's a good intro to the sport. Um, It was, you know, a little controversial when it first started because everyone was like, Oh, you know, is it, are these showcase events? Is this what eventing is going to become? But, you know, I don't think it's necessarily that way. And now that it's going to go away this year, everyone's really sad about it. So I think it came to be something that people really enjoyed. Yeah, and I think having a showcase isn't a bad idea anyway. It's, you know, anything that gets sport out to new eyes, you know, for the dressage community to see that. And, you know, I don't think many dressage riders are going to go take up eventing maybe, but not at that level. But, you know, it's good exposure and it keeps people interested. And that's always good for the sport no matter what. So I think think it's such a great thing and I hope it comes back for sure. So I had the real pleasure of uh, meeting the founder and creator of the most incredible reins I think I've probably ever tried at this point in my riding career. The brand is called In Horses We Trust, um, and I met up with them at the Longines Masters Paris, and they gave me a pair of reins to try out um, to see what I thought. And I have absolutely fallen in love with these reins, you guys. They are unlike any reins I've ever ridden with. 
they are this unique um, grip that is, it is a rubber grip. But when I say rubber reins, I feel like most people are going to like turn their brains off and think, mm-hmm. oh my God, I hate rubber reins. Like you guys, yeah. you know how you've ridden in rubber reins or like those rope feeling reins that are, they like cut into your hands and they're, they feel absolutely terrible. And like the contact is really hard, you know, hard with your horse's mouth. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 They yeah, make your hands just feel just gross. Yeah. They're just nasty. And like when the reins are really tough, it's very hard to have a light finesse kind of contact with your horse's mouth, right? Like you need, you know, if you want to have kind of soft hands, like you need to have reins that have a certain amount of malleability to really have like a fine tuned contact with your horse's mouth. So these reins have sort of nailed it as far as durability, but also that soft contact with your horse's mouth. They're made, um, they are, again, like I said, that they they are rubber, but they have developed this special brand of rubber specifically for these reins um, that don't melt. So I think we've all probably had, had those like nasty rubber reins that when it's really, really hot out and your horse sweats onto those reins, it leaves that residue on your hands and it gets sticky everywhere. These reins, when they were showing me the reins, they held a lighter up to the reins. Like they tried to light the reins on fire and the rubber did not melt. Wow. It was Jeez. the most incredible thing ever. So you don't even have to wear gloves with these reins. The idea is that, I mean, of course you can wear gloves with the reins, but the idea is that in order to have the most uh, sophisticated contact with your horse's mouth, you don't have to wear gloves and you will have complete control. You will not lose your grip on these reins. I jumped my horse in them. I flatted her in them. Um, and I have to say, like, I was really, really impressed by these reins. And I didn't really think that reins even mattered like that much until you no. ride in a really good pair of reins. What did you have to clean them with? Uh, so there like are there are parts of them that are leather. So like up by, um, you know, where they connect to the bit, um, those parts mm-hmm. are leather. So you can just clean them. And it's a really, really high quality, um, buttery, smooth, gorgeous leather. The reins are absolutely beautiful. Um, they so, look they look so, gorgeous on their website. Yeah, like, they're so pretty. And like the stitching and like you can just tell the handiwork is really good on these reins. So the leather parts, um, I just cleaned, you know, with normal leather cleaner. And then I just wiped off with like a very lightly damp cloth, um, the rubber grip part. And that's all I had to do. And it was any tack that requires, you know, low maintenance cleaning. That's a huge, that's a huge plus in my book for sure. So I noticed they have these little, little stoppers on them. Can you talk about those or how, like, yeah. how do they work? How do you, how do they feel on your hand? So the, yeah, the other thing that makes uh, these reins really unique and distinct from any other reins I've ever tried are that they have movable rain stoppers. So these rain stoppers are very, um, they're very thin and flat to the reins. So they are not, I mean, I am, a, you know, a average size woman, I have pretty small hands, Um, And I think we've all tried to ride with, you know, those 
reins that have rubber stoppers that are huge and you can't wrap your hands around and you're like, do I put my hand around the stoppers? Do I put my hand in front of the stoppers? Like what the heck, you know, what's going on here? These are very fine and thin. Um, They're great for people with smaller hands. Like I had no trouble um, wrapping my hands around these reins, which gave me a really, really good feel with my horse's mouth. And the stoppers are movable so you can put them exactly where on the reins you want so what that means is that you can adjust them for jumping if you want your reins to be shorter when you're jumping or if you're on for instance you know a horse with a longer neck you can move the stoppers so that they are you know that they fit that horse that horse's kind of rein length and how long you need your reins to be on that horse versus if you're riding you know, a smaller, more compact, um, like my mare, for instance, um, I was able to adjust the reins for her cause she's quite a small horse. So my reins are normally pretty short. Uh, so do they move easily the, st- the little stoppers? Do they move they easily? Take, like will they move when you're riding or no, do you think so they take they some manipulation, which, okay. so it's not the easiest thing in the world to actually move them but that's the good thing because they they absolutely will not move when you ride it takes you know grabbing onto the reins and sort of pulling those rubber stoppers but because it's the stoppers are also rubber they really have good traction with the rubber grip on the reins. so there is absolutely no way that those stoppers are going to move while you ride um so i'm Again, this is just sort of my initial impression um, with these reins. Once my horse comes back from her vacation, I will be able to ride her a little bit more with them and ride a few different horses with them. Um, I really like their slogan. It's called, it, it says an iron hand and a velvet glove. Like they're just all about like really establishing a really, you know, soft, sophisticated contact with your horse's mouth. Like that's why they developed this product. Um, and if anyone is interested in checking it out, um, they can go to ihwt.fr slash en. And that's just going to take you to the English speaking um, webpage and you can buy directly from their website. And again, we'll talk more about these later once I ride a few more times with them. But I just I wanted to talk about them early on because I was so impressed. And my mare, who is very, very, very sensitive in the mouth and is a little bit unsteady in the contact, I had some of the best rides that I'd had on her um, with these reins. And I don't really think that's a coincidence. I don't think that I magically became a better rider for those last seven rides (laughs) before she went on vacation. (laughs) So anyway, huge shout out to them. I'm excited to get back in the saddle and see how she does with them after her vacation. All right, guys. So, uh, I feel like we're starting off the year strong and we're going to have a really, uh, dramatic, discussion today about a a very hot topic uh something that you know you always see there's always something going around online it's like the most dramatic thing in dressage i feel like and it's rocker so there's an update for um if you haven't seen it if you're not a crazy person on the internet but uh there's this this public facebook group called fei time to act with an exclamation point um and it has several thousand people in it but uh uh, a very well-known international dressage judge tim downs uh who uh he's also in the british horse society uh, he wrote this letter to the fei that's basically pleading with them uh that the fei really needs to uh as the governing sport over dressage and in the international arena that they really 
really need to do something about Rokur and basically monitoring training methods that could be uh, extremely stressful and uh, harmful to horses. So this letter, he wrote this letter and he started this survey. He wants people to to sign this survey monkey <laughs> Uh, to support very the, official, <laughs> yeah, to support the FBA, FBI time to act letter. Um, and it's it's gotten a lot of shares and people are signing it and and uh discussing it. And you know, I've I've plenty of times in my you know, as a horseback rider, I've seen stuff come up that it you know, it's like the picture of the horse with its nose to its chest and or it's got a purple tongue and you know what I mean, all this stuff. And uh, I I essentially know what Rokur is, but I just don't understand. Aaron, I'm hoping you can chime in as someone who is in the in dressage, uh, the dressage world. Like, is it really something you see that often? And I understand, like, when you see these videos, I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely eye opening, and you feel for the horse, and you can very. I feel like any horse person, like, you don't have to be very knowledgeable to identify that something is wrong. But just is this something that is really that big of a concern that you know does does this guy tim you know does he have a point should the fei be really taking a harder look at this yeah it's it's such a it's it's a tough discussion and it's a you know everyone's always got a strong opinion about it um i mean rolker has been around for a long time when you know the dutch team really in the 90s when anki van grinsman was winning and that's when all the training controversy started I think at least when I started to pay attention to it um and so it's it's nothing new and it's it's just so hard to say that roll curd is now a word associated with bad riding and so yes roll curd itself that's that's bad riding um that particular method of getting your horse's nose so deep into the chest and the neck really round. But the, you know, the thing that I think differentiates roll curve from low, deep and round is the position of the nose. Um, so it, it seems to be more forcefully held. And I say seems to be, cause I've not tried it. I'm not educated in roll curve. I've not trained with anybody who trains in that method. I have used low, deep and round, a lot. I think getting a horse's neck round gives you access to the back, helps you stretch them, gets them much better connected. And the difference between that and roll curve, I don't know who decides that. And that's what's a little scary about these discussions. Because if you took a picture of me training some of my horses, in any moment, there might be a time where I feel I have to get the horse a bit rounder and more closed. And if you took photographs of that exact moment and put them out there, you could destroy my career by saying I ride roll cur. And right. I don't it's know just like how a, to ride roll cur. So that know, snapshot like, in time, you know, where I think somebody could walk yeah. by a warm up arena and just go, you know, like it's so easy to point fingers, but do you know, I guess that's, I guess that's part of my question or Caroline, I'm sure you've seen some of this too. I mean, uh, I mean, how do we, how do you, I've honestly, I've not seen anybody doing this in North America. Again, I've seen by my definition and my understanding of it, I've not seen in the North American warm up rings, anybody training in roll curve. And you know, I've seen moments where horses get, you know, really put your head down, come here, give me some control because I've seen horses 
really misbehaving. And so for safety issues, sometimes you have to get them rounder and deeper than anything you would do in a show competition frame, Mm -hmm. but it's a moment's correction. And then you, you know, you should let them out afterwards. Um, If a horse is being forcefully held in any position, whether it's with a pole at the highest point or completely rolled up, neither of those things are, are very nice. Um, And again, it's just that who defines when does it go from low, deep and round, which is acceptable to a lot, most people, when does it turn into roll curve? And I don't know the exact answer to that. And I don't know how many people are really qualified to stand on the sidelines and say that's acceptable. And that's not without having, you know, you haven't sat on that horse. You don't know what it feels like. Um, right. It's a tough thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's there, there is when I have seen proper uh, roll curve training, take place um in person it does seem to take place more in europe uh than it Mm. does in the u.s i don't know why that is i don't know why you know um i i that's i do not know enough about the origins of that training system other than you know kind of what you were saying with the dutch team and the dutch success um aaron but uh it is um very distressing to see a horse being held in that position for a very long time. That being said, there are a huge number of very uneducated armchair quarterbacks on the internet that will see a horse with its nose tucked behind the vertical and they will post that photo on the internet and blow a rider apart. And it's like you said, Aaron, like that one moment in time where a horse is a horse's nose being behind the tips of its ears, that is not roll cur. Like, let's be clear. Like, that is not what we're talking about. But this discussion has escalated to such a point that there are so many, un- I mean, uneducated people. And I'm not saying that I know everything about this at all. This is, you know, this is why we're having this conversation because I think it's an exploratory one. Um, you know, we're asking questions and we're, we're trying to sort of see our way through this, but, um, you know, all three of us are, you know, riders in different disciplines and varying levels and, um, you know, but we've all been in this sport and been at horse shows. And, you know, I think we all know that, there are times that your horse's nose is going to be behind the vertical. I mean, even think about like the progression of training um, young horses, for instance, the, the, the progression of training a young horse on the flat, you do not want the pull at the highest point when there are three, you know? And, and I have, I have some young stallions coming in for training and I know for a fact, like one of them loves to look around and do a giraffe impression. <laughs> and I am not going to leave him. I can guarantee I'm not going to leave him with his pole at the highest point and his nose in front of the vertical during an entire warm up the first time I take him to a horse show. Because otherwise, it's not going to end well for me and probably some people riding mares near me. Um, right. Like, you know, for safety, I'm going to have to have him rounder deeper and most likely he's going to be behind the vertical at some point for just to get through it and have a safe experience and when he relaxes and he's obedient then he can he can be in a in a more 
proper frame. But if it's between me getting bucked off or him rearing and just because he's a young, he'll be a young, fresh stallion, you know, not because he's a bad horse, just what they do sometimes. Um, yeah, I'll put his nose in his chest if I need to for a minute or two. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for that for safety reasons. Right. But I think, I think these things have to be taken on such an individual basis and it's so hard to make these calls based on a photograph like video. Okay. If it, if it's unedited and it goes along for a long time, you can definitely see things. Um, But even still, if you're not there and if you don't know the horse, it's hard to say that's really wrong and that's really right. But of course you can see good riding and bad riding. If a horse is in distress, if a horse is showing all the symptoms of being uncomfortable and miserable and unhappy and the rider is clearly aggressive, that's just bad riding. And if you want to call it roll curve or whatever it is, bad riding should be, you know, something should be done about that. So, right, right. Bad riding should be penalized no matter well, what yeah. neck position is involved in that. But, but, yeah. so I'm rereading this letter because there are points where this guy is asking for that. You know, he wants the FEI yeah. to be more diligent and he wants stewards and judges to be trained a little bit more on what to look for. But um, besides like the blatant roll curve that we're talking about where the horse is, is just in that, that hard stressed frame cramped there all the time how how can someone learn to identify that if it's or i feel like that just opens the door to good riders getting in trouble i mean is that accurate to say or plausible at this point or 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 how can the fbi take a harder stance on something like this but but be fair and knowledgeable about it i think that you know the people who are going to make those decisions have to be educated you know this is this is why there's I think a system involved in becoming a steward and a dele- you know, technical delegate and all these positions that people hold with the FEI, you have to be approved. You have to have an education so that, you know, somebody who's picked up dressage last weekend for the first time can't come to a internationally sanctioned show, watch the warm up and be like, Oh, I don't like what they're doing. You get a yellow card. You know, that's, it doesn't work that way for a reason. Um, so I think the more education that people have and the more understanding that people have, they can, and the, and the more understanding of just how horses behave, like they're not machines. They're not robots. They are going to misbehave. They're going to be scared by things. They're going to be, um, you know, full of adrenaline and you have to sometimes manage that. So a, an educated steward should say, Oh, I don't like how that looks, but given the circumstances, this is for safety you're not in trouble and it, you know, now the moment's over carry on. But if it's, if it's clearly abusive riding, then the steward should be able to know the difference. That's their job. That's what they get trained for. That's what they get paid for. I hope, um, right. you know, it's not up to every, every rail bird to have, have a, they can have an opinion, but um, you know, I they, think they're not, you know, and <laughs> we have to come back to why, the, the real root of why we're discussing this, which is horse welfare, right? I mean, that's yeah. the only reason yeah. that we're really talking about this. It really has nothing to do with, um, you know, like villainizing any riders or, or, you know, making anybody seem better than anyone else. I mean, the, the bottom line is that this is a sport that 
revolves around horse welfare. We have the same conversations in show jumping. We have the same conversations in eventing. This one just happens to be about, you know, this specific type of riding and dressage. And, you know, I think that this has to come down to science. I think that there has to be, there need to be more scientific studies done about the physical effects of being ridden for prolonged periods of time in hyperflexion for horses. There is one um, that I can cite here. And this this one, you know, it's a little wordy, um, but the gist of it essentially is um, they were studying the effects of hyperfle- hyperflexion on dressage horses. Um, and so they were, the study aimed to investigate how much the acute stress response of dressage horses ridden in uh, three different head and neck positions Um, Mm -hmm. they surveyed 15 different horses ridden by their usual riders and, uh, they were in a competition frame, hyperflexion, which was kind of low, deep and round, and then a looser frame and horses had significantly higher cortisol concentrations directly after being ridden in hyperflexion compared to a looser frame. So that is evidence that, I mean, cortisol, of course, is a stress hormone. So that is evidence that that is a more stressful, more demanding position for those horses to be ridden in. So, you know, in conclusions, the result, it says in conclusion, the results indicate that low, deep and round may be more stressful to these horses during riding. I think that, you know, that's, that's something to consider. Um, But a horse being ridden with, you know, a low kind of a low, deep and round frame, there might be a half a pound in the rider's hands too. You know, that's not necessarily, you know, that the the rider has 15 pounds in each hand, right, Erin? I mean. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you have horses that hide behind the contest and sure. they, just, they put their nose close to their chest and you spend the whole lesson trying to get them to take the contact and move their position out. And and then other horses are, you know, dragging you around. And, uh, and that's why I say, you know, it's, it's really an individual thing. And, and each horse and rider has to be looked at and saying, okay, your horse is in this position because of this, not, not always because it's just bad riding and it, but, you know, and absolutely the welfare of the horse has to be the thing we care about most. And, um, I think the study is really interesting and what I would be curious to know is how, like how do the effects measure on what the workload is for the horse? Like are the horses mm-hmm. more stressed when they're doing like a training level or a Grand Prix? Cause I know that no matter how I ride my horses, my Grand Prix horse is probably going to experience more stress because it's harder work. Um, right. So I would just be, you know, I, I, I didn't see that in that study, but it, I would be interested in that also just, but that's maybe a different conversation. But basically, you know, Rolker, if it's abusive, aggressive riding for the horse, it's no good. That's I think nobody can really argue with that. If you see a horse in misery, it's not good. I don't know how else to. You can't you can't defend that. No, no, there's absolutely no defending that. And I think you know, I think that this whole debate, you know, as many of these. As many of these debates and kind of, especially when it gets to social media, um, you know, it's, it starts from a a good place and we all want our horses to be safe, but it is, 
there is a reason that this has not been solved yet, I think. And there's a reason that Mm -hmm. this hasn't been, you know, the FBI hasn't nailed down, oh, you know, your horse can have a certain angle of neck. And if it goes beyond that, you know, we're going to walk around with a protractor. And if it goes beyond that angle, like you're out, see you later. Um, So it's just interesting. And, you know, I think that it's, you know, we just wanted to bring it up and talk about it. And, you know, this, this FBI time to act Facebook group, I think it has, you know, well over 7,000 members now, like Justine was, was mentioning. So um, if anyone wants to check that out, you know, there's tons of very heated <laughs> to debate on that Facebook page. Yeah. Some of which you will agree with, some of which you will really disagree with. So um, it's an yeah. interesting it's an interesting discussion and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of sort of watch this space to see how uh, the FBI responds to this apparent um, petition. I think, and I think it'll be around for a long time. Like you said, it's not going to be easy to solve. So we can all have something to, to study on slow days. All right. So I have a question for both of you guys, because you live at least part of the year in places where it gets pretty cold and snows. And I do not. I live in Florida and uh, it's been pretty cold here this week. Actually, like we've been writing stories in the newspaper about like, why is it so cold? And it's it's like 40 degrees. (laughs) And when is it going to (laughs) end? And people are losing it because iguanas are falling out of trees and stuff because it's so cold in Florida right now. But uh, that said, I have like like one light blanket for my horse that he might wear a total of eight days the whole year. Cause it's never cold enough to blanket here, let alone, I don't ever even ever one day consider that it's too cold to ride. So I want to ask you guys, since you deal with the cold weather, is there ever a point where, uh, where it is too cold for you to ride and you say, no, no it's just not safe or it's not fair for the horse to work in these conditions. Erin, what do you think? Well, as a Canadian who moved super far away from winter weather, I think that it's often too cold for riding. But, um, you know, I grew up in Canada and we rode through awful weather and rode in the snow. And it was just that's what you did, because if you didn't ride when it was cold, you didn't ride for five or six months sometimes. But um, I, I just recently was talking to a friend who lives in Alberta and she said for her, the cutoff is like minus 10 Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Um, if anybody wants to Google that, that's uh, <laughs> a thing. But um, uh, that is 14 degrees Fahrenheit. 14 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. So for her, that's, that's her cutoff. They have an insulated arena um, and that's, that's when the temperature in the arena is minus 10, not the outside temperature. So the, you know, it's definitely warmer in the arena than outside. Um, she, she'll still get on the horse and like move them around. Cause she feels like when they're not working, they're just really kind of standing there shivering and hunched over. So she feels it's really beneficial to move, move them around with light, light work, um, not getting sweaty, not getting their respiration up, but light work. And I think that's, that's pretty reasonable as long as you're not getting a horse wet in such a cold weather and you're not getting there, you know, they don't have to breathe really hard. That sounds fair enough. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the actual scientific cutoff is to when it's bad for their muscles and how much blankets you have to have. Cause I, I hightailed it out of there people. I don't want to. 
Um, well, I live in New Jersey and the real feel outside today in Maplewood was negative two. Oh um, God. Yep. Yeah. Which it, it's really, it's not actually usually that cold here. Um, it's, but it's that wet cold too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a little bit of research on this and of course the, overarching consensus is it is more dangerous to ride your horse in extreme heat than extreme cold, which I think we all know. Yeah. I can attest to that. Holy moly. Um, it is very, very dangerous to ride your horse in extreme heat and humidity. Um, it is less dangerous to ride your horse in extreme cold. Um, however, uh, it's, it comes down to a, um, the level of work that they're, that they're doing. So essentially if you're going to go, you know, hack for 15 or 20 minutes, get your horse's muscles sort of moving, get their blood moving, get their lymph moving, you know, stretch those muscles out a little bit. That can really be beneficial. Kind of like what Aaron was saying, uh, no matter what the temperature is. Um, so the mechanism is that at rest, um, the body takes in, the outside air, so the cold air, and the upper respiratory tract warms it to the horse's body temperature, and it kind of adds humidity. Um, That's the horse's natural breathing process before it sends it down to the lower respiratory tract, which is so freaking cool. Science is so cool, you guys. So that's kind of the normal, um, that's the normal way that the horse sort of warms and humidifies air when it's really cold outside and the horse is at rest. Uh, and that continues to happen when the horse is, you know, just walking around, walking around the field, maybe even doing a bit of trotting. But when you work up to, uh, a point where the horse is breathing very heavily, that process can't happen as well because obviously the air is being pushed in and out of the horse's body a lot faster. So there isn't that amount of time where the rest the upper respiratory tract can warm it, warm the air to the horse's body temperature and add that humidity. So that cold, dry air can really, really irritate the trachea and the lungs um, because it's that cold, dry air. Anyone that's ever gone for like, you know, a sprint um, outside when it's too, when it's really cold, you know, it's that burning kind of um, sensation Mm. in your chest. It's really uncomfortable. Horses feel the same um, the same way too. So we have to be mindful of that. Um, so it kind of de- seems to depend on the level of exercise. There's also some really complicated science about the immunologic responses of horses for like 48 hours after exposure to cold air in their lower airways that I'm not even going to get into because I'm not a veterinarian and it's really complicated, but there is some sort of immune response to that as well. Um, but you know, the key I think is if it's really freaking cold outside and you know what that is for your horse and you know what it is for you just intuitively, it's probably best to not go for a gallop, but you might be benefiting your horse to go for, you know, a nice walk with a quarter sheet on, um, you know, with your smart wool socks on and just loosen their muscles, get their blood flowing and then give them a nice grooming and then put them back in their stalls. Mark Todd has been around the block more than a few times. 
He tried to retire once, but now he's back with an eye on WEG this year and a plan to help modernize the sport of eventing. Read all about his vision and much more in this month's issue of Heels Down Magazine. Available in the free Heels Down Magazine app on iTunes or Google Play. Okay, so guys, I want to talk about something that I think every rider that has ever competed can probably relate to. It is one of the many reasons that horseback riders drink. So it's a great topic for this show. Um, And that is the worst horse show experience that we have all ever had. Um, So I will start with mine um, and get us kicked off because mine is, (laughs) I was young enough that I, it still is embarrassing to talk about, but I was young enough that I feel at this point in my life. I don't care. I don't care. Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> you moved on. Okay. <laughs> I've moved. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Um, so I grew up doing the hunters. Uh, I do not do the hunters anymore, but, uh, I grew up, you know, doing little pony hunters and large pony hunters and short stirrup and young and tree and all of those things. And I wore the ribbons in my hair and I used to, you know, sit on my pony for three hours by the warm up ring with my trainer waiting to be called into the ring. Cause that's how hunter shows are. Um, and, uh, there was a, we used to go to the NC state fairgrounds for horse shows all the time. Um, they did C rated horseshoes there. They did a rated horseshoes there. I can't remember, um, which particular rated show this was when I had this particular, uh, weekend. But, um, the one thing about hunter shows and Justine, you can, uh, you can attest to this is that, um, you spend like a lot of money to go to those. Oh yeah. Um, and when you're a kid and your parents are paying for your pony to, you know, go to a horse show and have a stall to stay overnight and have a little trainer. And, you know, we were not a wealthy family. So my parents, I do not know how they afforded all of this, but they made it work for us. And, um, my sister and I were both at that show. My sister was showing her hunter horse too. She was doing the pre-children's hunter. So I always looked up to her like she was, um, amazing, super badass cause she did the two foot six and I was only doing the two foot three. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that show I fell off three times in two days. Jeez. What? <laughs> How? <laughs> the same horse, the same pony, same pony. Was he just like a little nightmare pony? <laughs> um, this is my little 14-2 quarter horse Welsh pony oh. cross that we bought from an estate sale. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so it's about the saddest story you've ever heard. Um, his name is Robin Hood. He is still alive and he still lives at my parents' farm and he is the total boss of the farm. He literally oh bosses. Gosh. He is 14 too. He doesn't wear shoes. He's like got the fattest neck. We He's so fat. We used to put a neck sweat on him to try to sweat some of his neck fat away. Oh like my he's God. Just <laughs> the cutest little nugget. And he bosses my 17 three hand uh, preliminary event horse around. And he's just, he's like the most ornery little pony you've ever met. So I think I was probably maybe 10 at this point. And I had a trainer that was awesome, but she was, I mean, like really took the whole thing way too seriously. I mean, when you're a 10 year old, like 
you should, it should just be about going around and having fun and you know, who cares? Like whatever, you know, is if you want a ribbon grade, if you don't like, you shouldn't even know the difference. But, um, so I fell off in the warm up ring, um, which, you know, Hunter warm up rings are a real hazard. Um, it's kind of like a war zone. Everyone's going different directions. There are ponies running into each other. Trainers are screaming at their students. Um, you know, people feel the need to yell extremely loud about which jump they're going to, which always scared the living daylights out of me. Cause I like hate loud noises. Um, and so, uh, I went to turn to jump, you know, what was probably a two foot three, probably not even probably two foot cross rail just as a warm up jump before my round. Um, and uh, my pony sort of like we collided with another pony who refused the warm up jump beside my jump. And so then the pony ran kind of into my pony. So then my pony stopped at his jump and we both fell <laughs> off. So then it was two loose ponies and two riders on the ground and two trainers trying to chase these ponies down <laughs> in like a sea of ponies and, and little girls with ribbon pigtails, you know, bouncing around a warm up arena. So that was fall number one. So I got up, dusted myself off. It was all good. Um, so then we said, okay, you know, get back on. We're going to get out of this ring. We're going to go for a hack. Just go calm your nerves, get it back together. 10 year old Caroline, you know, little chubby little thing. Just go hack your pony. It's all good. So I went hacking and my pony dumped me a second time (laughs) (laughs) because we were going away from the barn and there were some orange like traffic cones and he pretended to spook at that. There's no way he was afraid of the traffic cones. So he spooked at that. I fell off again. This time I ripped my jacket and ripped my show shirt because I fell like on my elbows. So totally like ripped out the elbows, both elbows of my show jacket and my show shirt, totally bloodied pony runs off. And then, you know, I'm like walking back to the barn, of course, crying because I'm a 10 year old, like just tears (laughs) just streaming down my face. And my trainer just looks at me and is like, how the hell like what like it was five minutes like how is that possible so then they caught the pony again um and then we so then I had to put on my backup um show jacket and my backup show shirt which were you know way too small because we bought them when I was like seven and doing you know young entry or whatever you do when you're seven I don't know and um they were way too small and I couldn't like move my arms very well in them so then I had to go in later that afternoon for my actual show round so I was pretty shaken up by that point I mean oh, I had not no. had the best day then <laughs> with your ripped coat you put your that, ripped coat back no on? I, I I put on I put on a fresh coat it was my backup one that was too small and so then we went back into the or maybe it was the next day and I did my little um I think it was like a little short strap round you know where you do outside diagonal outside diagonal my pony just stops again just stops at a jump I go flying over his head fall on the jumps I had the breath knocked out of me so much that the paramedics <laughs> had to come in and see if I was okay. And I was just laying on the ground and the pony is just standing over me 
just looking at me like I mean the biggest asshole in the entire world like he's just such a jerk (laughs) but the saddest thing was I also ripped that show coat and shirt on like the on like the cup like the jump cup on the standard so I not only managed to fall off three times at one horse show but I also managed to ruin two show shirts and two show jackets girl you are a mess a hot mess at this horse show (laughs) so if anyone has ever had a bad horse show just know somebody's had a horse one (laughs) (laughs) okay justine what has been your nightmare horse show oh man all right so there there were plenty to pick from when i was brainstorming about this today but the the one that really uh stuck with me was i was a teenager so probably high school i got this i got like my my really competitive horse when i was in middle school as a junior and but he was like a nightmare because i my parents couldn't afford to buy me like a really nice made horse but i was riding pretty well my trainer was like this kid could probably do some rated shows if we get her something to ride so we we bought this like super green kind of crazy uh, paint warm blood cross, but he was out of like the Art Deco line, like he was like a warm blood breed, but he was really, really pretty, uh, you know, loudly black and white paint color. But he was just crazy. He was way too much horse for you know for like a fourteen year old to try to figure out. So it was a really really long process because I just I, I loved the horse, and my trainer was like, maybe you should get something else, and I I refused to do it. So after many years of like going to horse shows and having the judge literally call everyone else in the flat class to the middle of the arena because I could not stop my horse. Um, (laughs) Like it happened more than once. That's how bad this is. Uh, We were finally starting to get somewhere and cause I wanted him to be like an Eck horse. And we just decided like, I don't know if he can do that. And so we, we moved to the jumpers and eventually he became my Eck horse, but it just took years of getting the crazy out. So, um, Finally, I got, like a, I got to my. Yeah, this takes years to get me crazy out. <laughs> exactly. So I go to my first A-rated show, and uh, there's a lot of pressure. And I, I was the type of kid who put a lot of pressure on myself because I wanted to do really good and wanted to be competitive. And I had been to a rated show with him before. Uh, we went to like a C show at a really nice uh, facility that that did a lot of bigger shows. So it felt like you were, you know, I was in a bigger environment. And I remember my trainer was like, hey, I'm going to put you in this jumper class. If you feel overfaced, you know, you don't have to do it. But it was like the lowest jumping course I could do. I think like for the rated points class, uh, you know, it was like a three foot class. And it was that looked big for me at the time. So I went into that class and after like two or three fences, just bowed out and didn't do it. So now fast forward, like six months later, we've worked through our issues or at the A show at a different facility, but this is my first rated show. And I'm coming off the last show being that C show where I, I literally chose not to finish the course and walk out of the ring. So there's, I've put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, He's schooled great the day before we saw the whole facility. It was wonderful. We were, I think we were doing some Eck classes at that show too, but the first day, all we were doing were like three jumper classes and that, that was it like a pretty low key show day. And so I'm gearing up for my first jumper class. Um, it was early in the morning. I remember he schooled really good in the morning. It was finally my, my turn to go in the jumper ring. Um, so I go in, I'm like, I've got a 
brand new pair of tailored sportsman's on because I like wanted to look nice at the A-rated show. Yeah, girl. And I'm like, I don't even think I could drive yet. So I must have been 15, you know? And so I'm, <laughs> I'm in the jumper class and I literally get over like the third fence and everything's going fine. Like he's moving forward. We're getting nice distances to the fences. And out of nowhere, I don't know what happened, but I'm I'm just on the ground. I just I like look up and all of a sudden and it was wet. I remember it had rained the night before, so it was muddy in the arena. And I'm just covered, you know, that clay when it gets wet and the water just kind of sits on top of it and then it's so mucky. It's like a layer of just filth on you. So I get up and I'm like half my body is covered in clay. And my horse had like trotted away a little bit farther away because he was like, What the heck just happened? And my saddle is hanging like over his ribs, like on the side of his bike. And after all of that, all that crazy pressure I put on myself, I forgot to tighten the damn girth before my class. And my saddle rolled over on his side because it yeah, wasn't tight enough. That is so, amazing. It's like the first quick turn I had to take in the class that my saddle went, nope. And then I fell over. So I had to ride. My trainer was like, you're an idiot. Get back on your horse. So I rode my next two classes with literally clay caked in my face down the side of my people are like did she like roll in chicken tikka masala like what is on that girl i wrote i think we have pictures of me going you know with half my body covered in clay (laughs) that is amazing your girth was tight but my girth was tight and then like all the pressure was gone because it was like it doesn't get more (laughs) humiliating than this now i can just ride my horse (laughs) i love it that's a great one That is good. Erin, your turn to humiliate yourself in front of the world. Excellent. Well, I did a pretty (laughs) good job of that when I was in my early 20s. Um, This was up in Canada, and I was riding a stallion who would have been considered a schoolmaster. And everybody thinks schoolmasters are easy, and you're just going to go out and be fancy. And this was my first um, experience learning that was not true. Um, He was a super kind and like sweet horse on the ground like just an absolute gentleman but when you rode him he was not going to give you anything you had to work so hard he was strong he was stiff and just he wasn't he wasn't going to give it up at all so sometimes we had really good rides most of the time it was a struggle but that didn't stop the owner and I from thinking you know what's a good idea let's enter him in a horse show let's do this in public and um and you know let's do it at a level that we're probably not ready for you know let's let's just shoot for the moon here people no fear no um, fear no fear right just go out and get it um so we went to the show and on the you know like if the show was saturday sunday we took him on friday it was fairly close to where we were and we brought him over there to school and he was amazing like i totally won the olympics on that day he was I think a little scared, a little anxious, um, lots of adrenaline. And so he was just totally just with me. And it was this magical ride. And I thought, I'm going to kick some ass tomorrow. (laughs) And um, we unloaded a donkey off of the trailer instead. He had absolutely no desire to work that hard ever again in his life. And he just, it was awful. Like mouth was open. I didn't know what Rolker was, but I'm pretty sure I was doing it. His <laughs> um, but, you know, his hind legs were way out behind him, like couldn't yes. get a clean flying change. Like it was a disaster. And um, 
And I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, like just terrible. But the judge I rode in front of um, was, and still is, an Olympic level judge. She's a five-star judge at this point in her career. And so it was kind of a big deal to ride in front of her. And she wrote in all caps, underlined, that was not nice to watch. Oh, and my she, goodness. Yeah. And I got a score. I can't remember if it was 43 or 46%, which, as an, you know, if you're an eventer, that'd be all right. If you're a dressage rider, so good. pack it up, go home, stay <laughs> home, just go away. Don't ever come back. So um, it was awful it was humiliating um and it was also a really really good lesson because it was not long after that I don't think that I was like I probably need to uh, get a better education if I'm (laughs) gonna try to avoid those moments again so I I did uh you know that was sort of a catalyst for me going on and getting some great opportunities and working hard and learning but that will always hold a special place in like my heart for really the worst experience I've ever had at a horse show. And anytime I have a student who's feeling sorry for themselves, I'm like, Hey, but did an Olympic, did an Olympic level judge say that was not nice to watch underlined? <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> Carry on. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. That's a great one. We can only go up from here, guys. Remember right? that. Right? Yeah. Maybe the rest is behind to, us. I have yet to top that score. So, and I'm not going to try. No, I think I think those days are probably behind you, Erin. You're you're pretty legit. So <laughs> I think but you're it's good. Always, it's always there. It's always there. You know, it's a good reminder. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, to close out our episode, as always, we do Rosenthorn. Erin, you've done Rosenthorn with us before, so I'm assuming you remember how this rolls. I do. Yeah. She's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> All right, Justine, start us off. What's your rose and thorn for the week? Okay, so my rose literally just happened two minutes ago. Um, Someone posted in the OTTB Connect Facebook group. I don't know if you guys are part of that, but since I have a thoroughbred, I am like religiously sucked into all the discussions there. And someone asked literally today, earlier today, like, hey, what are your favorite horse-related podcasts? And so I've been stalking it kind of all day, just like, oh, let's see if anybody will uh, recommend Heels Down Happy Hour. And a few people did, which is wonderful. And then literally this girl, I have to give her a shout out because she's wonderful. Her name is Cassie. And she literally just like 20 minutes ago wrote a comment in all caps. And it says, Heels Down Happy Hour for Life. I just binged all the episodes over the weekend and I love them so much. And Justine owns an OTTB. So shout out. Shout out Cassie, you are my rose. Okay. Wait, I'm gonna like cry. I know. Can I'll that be my rose shot. too? <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty awesome. So woo! Thanks for listening. <laughs> you know how like when girls get really drunk, and then like if you're like in a group of drunk girls, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, I love you so much!" I like you're like you. totally my best friend. Like we're best I friends in life. That's how you. I feel right now, Kathy. I love you so much. We're gonna be best <laughs> friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> so. And I guess my thorn is, oh my God, Caroline, I was on the phone with you when this happened. I was hauling my horse to a vet appointment oh, and nearly, nearly, nearly died when this crazy RV, I'm on the highway in Florida. So, you know, that's just like, you know, Mad Men, Mad Max styled, like driving to begin with <laughs> people are crazy. Um, 
And so I'm like driving really slow in the right lane. Uh, my GPS tells me that there's traffic coming up. So I'm slowing down, anticipating like brake lights. And there's this RV. And I'm literally, I have, I have uh, Caroline on speakerphone because we're talking about this podcast while I'm driving the horse to the vet. And this RV is not slowing down, realizes too late that the traffic is like at a dead standstill, not very far in front of us, cannot stop. He's like pulling a car behind the RV, plus this little like toggle thing that has bikes behind the car. So it's like a three, three train system here. And he starts to lose control. Like I see smoke. I hear his tires screech. He's fishtailing all over the road. I'm afraid he's going to hit the trailer. I'm having a heart attack. I'm imagining my horse dead on the side of the road so i'm pulling over into the shoulder and he just like cuts me off and drives into my lane and then literally drives off the highway into the grass and crashes into the trees oh that my god is... it was the craziest thing and i'm like okay so i, guess I just i want to say that like when when this was happening when we were on the phone justine was so like calm and rational about it she was like oh my goodness um, I think I just almost died. Um, this there was this RV and it just crashed into the and like she just explained the entire thing very calmly and I was like, wait, what the like beep? Yeah. <laughs> it was scary. I was pretty freaked out. Like after the fact, like I'm driving and I actually pulled over like at a gas station and was like, I'm fine. It's all good. Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> oh so God, funny so because my yeah. thorn is an a similarly traumatic experience that okay so i i think my rose has to be the same that people are enjoying the podcast uh, that's my yeah rose. it's wonderful it makes me so happy um because we like doing it so the fact that people like listening to us is so freaking cool uh, my thorn is that um, this was actually a really really scary experience um and i reported it to the police and it was very scary and I like had like kind of I had like a lot of nightmares about it actually afterwards I think it was it truly oh, no. um like messed with my head um I was walking my dog and uh, we live in a very safe neighborhood in New Jersey um and it was about 5 30 and I was walking my dog this is a couple weeks ago um before Christmas and uh, we there are there are like lit crosswalks and crosswalk signs um, going across like busy roads because this part of New Jersey, a lot of people commute into New York City. So a lot of people walk to the train every day. So it's a very, very high volume pedestrian type town. So people are very, very used to stopping and yielding to pedestrians. And like all of the speed limits are super slow. Um, we kind of live on a little bit of a busier road, but, um, I went across in the crosswalk and my, you know, I'm wearing like, uh, I'm pretty savvy about, you know, wearing bright colors at night and being pretty careful. My dog is wearing a reflective jacket, which people <laughs> probably think looks ridiculous, but she's so cute. I love her. Um, and I'm wearing a neon pink jacket. Just it's, I mean, it's the ugliest jacket in the freaking world, but people can see me at night. So I don't really care. And I check both ways, start to walk across the crosswalk. Uh, I do not I still I still don't understand how this person came so fast um, around the corner, but they kind of came either around the, you know, they just turned right off of a side street or they were just coming so fast that by the time I was in the middle of um, 
the road, they were like very close to the crosswalk. And I had this moment of realization that they did not see me and they were not going to stop. And it was truly the scariest moment of my, it was truly the scariest moment of my entire life. No drama. I truly thought I was going to die. And I, the driver never saw me. Was he just like on his phone or what? They never slowed down. So what I had to do was it was truly something out of like a movie. I grabbed my dog by like the, her kind of like scruff and the top of her jacket. Luckily she had a jacket on, so I kind of could grab her and she's, you know, like 45 pounds. So I could kind of yank her and we had to run like, like sprint slash dive onto the sidewalk to beat this car Otherwise, we would have been hit. It, like, I hit the ground so hard on the sidewalk. Like, my headphones that were in my pocket and my phone that was in my pocket, like, flew out of my po- jacket pocket. Like, that's Holy how hard crap. we hit the ground. That is crazy. And this person never, and I, like, turned and looked, and I was so stunned. And they never hit their brakes. They never slowed down. Like, they unfortunately, no, oh. I think that they were probably, like, texting or something. They never saw us. And it just was one of those things that I was like, I, I don't know. I've never had a moment that I really thought I was going to, going to die. But when you are crossing the street and this car is going so fast and you realize that they're not, they don't see you and they're not going to stop. And you're like between their headlights. It was like, oh my gosh, it was the most terrifying thing ever. Um, And, you know, I reported it to the police, but unfortunately they were gone so fast. I couldn't get a plate number. And of course I was like on the ground stunned. And of course my biggest thing was like, if somebody hit my dog, I would shake, I I would go to prison. Like I would blow up their house. Like (laughs) I would chase them down and I would murder them. Like I was, so I was like making sure my dog was okay. And then I like called my fiance and I was like hysterical and I called the police and it was just, oh my God, it was like the craziest thing ever, but I'm fine. The dog is totally fine. It just scared the living daylights out of me. And the thing that was really scary was if I had been, what if I had been like a, like a mother pushing a stroller or like someone oh, yeah. a bit older or someone that was, you know, looking at their phone and didn't see that car coming. Like I, that person would have for sure been killed because that person was going, the driver was going so fast. So it's just crazy. It was one of those, like, I don't know, not that I needed a wake-up call that life can change in an instant, but it really scared me. So that was definitely my biggest, my most dramatic thorn. It was a really dramatic way to end 2017. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty awful. Yeah, not the best. Um, so, Erin, okay, make us happy and give us a good rose. Okay, well, this is, um, I have to give you my thorn first, and this okay. is way, this is so not dramatic or life-threatening, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's way easier. Um, I did spectacularly get bucked off from the no. halt at the oh. mountain block. Oh, um, no! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a professional. It's what I do. I fall off at the halt. Um, <laughs> I just like people to, you know, I like to keep it real. So um, <laughs> I was, 
I was pretty angry, a little offended by the whole uh, turn of events that was a bit unexpected. Um, but otherwise, I was pretty unharmed. Like, I landed on my left side, and I, I hit my hip pretty hard on the ground, and right away iced it because I was like, that's going to hurt a lot later. Oh. You know, my shoulder was a little sore, oh. but otherwise, no big deal. After a couple of days of ibuprofen, no problem. Meanwhile, I'm getting ready for my first big show of the season coming up this week, and I've been you know, really focusing, trying hard, taking lessons, and with my Grand Prix horse, he's always been super, super reliable in the flying changes. Like, he, you could put a monkey on him, and they'll learn how to ride two times and one times. Like, it's just what he does. He's so good at it. Mm-hmm. And in my lesson last week, couldn't ride a line of one-time changes to save my mm-hmm. life. And... And I feel kind of like a jerk talking about this after you almost got hit by a car, but really my life is pretty <laughs> Okay, no, one time so. my thorn was that my <laughs> armpits were sweaty, so, like, my thorns are not usually very dramatic. This, yeah, this okay. is unusual. So. <laughs> right. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling pretty superficial here, but this is what it is. So, um, anyway, with the first big show of the season coming up, I'm, you know, I was super stressed about it, and I was trying and trying and trying and trying, and I knew it wasn't the horse because – He's so good in everything and he feels really good. I'm like, okay, it's obviously me. And um, so it, I realized, and this is my rose, I guess, because thank God I figured something out. Whatever I did when I fell, my hip is still not totally, like I'm just not sitting as straight as I should be or as I normally do, I guess. And so for me to ride my one-time changes, I have to lean so far to the left that like, I feel really, really tipped over. Um, not like mm. I'm going to fall off, but getting there. And so as soon as I sit as crooked as I possibly can, I get a clean line of one time changes <laughs> as many as I ask for. So I'm, I'm super excited because I just have, to, as long as I remember to do that until my body is feeling better, I can, <laughs> I can at least get through a fairly, you know, difficult movement that's normally really easy for my horse. And, um, and if people just look at me and wonder what I'm doing and why I'm riding like that, I, that's the explanation. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to dismount at the same time. I'm just, I'm trying to get the job done. So it is kind of funny um, because you usually, and if no one has ever seen Aaron ride, you have, I mean, truly impeccable position. Like your position is, like it is like for some reason I want to say it's so good it's sexual but that is such a weird thing to say and I do not mean that but it's really freaking good <laughs> you're pu- pushing the limits Caroline on the show <laughs> every week you're pushing it. pushing it that's my job no but it's like you have you do you have such good position so to see you just a little bit like off kilter would be so so strange you, you are beautiful to watch Erin, you are beautiful. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> In a less creepy way. Well, I'm blushing over here. I'm totally blushing over here. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so at the next show, I will be, I will hopefully be beautiful until one movement and then I'll be totally crooked and then I can sit up straight again. So that's mm-hmm. my, my rose and thorn all in one. Love it. Awesome. Well, you've been the best as always. We always love having you on the show. You're just such a joy. Um, and if anybody is listening and wants to ask 
any of us a question, um, whether it's a writing question, a life question, we get all sorts of weird questions. I mean, you can send us pretty weird questions because we talk about pretty weird things. We'll answer anything. Yeah, we really will. We're (laughs) open books here, clearly. Um, You can just send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And we will give you a shout out and write you back. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And the people that have been reviewing, like, I want to give you a personal hug because you're awesome. And people have left some pretty funny reviews, too. And I really like the funny reviews. So you get extra points if you leave a, like, hilarious review because some of them have been very colorful. And I love that. Um, And then if you want to hear more from us, you can check out Heels Down Magazine. It's an interactive digital magazine on your phone or tablet so you can take it anywhere in the world. And you can download it on iTunes or Google Play or check out our website at heelsdownmag.com. Our cover boy this month, of course, is Mark Todd. So that's a very exciting issue. And we will be releasing episodes of Heels Down Happy Hour on the second and last Fridays of each month. And did you know that you can also get the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone? Just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store, and it's free and super easy to use. So, guys, I think we should just cheers to not getting bucked off at the halt in 2018. (laughs) Cheers to that. (laughs) Cheers to staying on all of the horses in 2018 and not getting hit by cars. Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) Cheers! Cheers!